0: Thank you for downloading this sermon. We hope you've been blessed by this ministry. If you'd like to give back, please invest in the future of Clearnote Church through our capital campaign, Faithful Through All Generations. To make a donation, visit clearnotebloomington.com give. Good morning. Um, this morning as we highlight our Chinese ministry, it's fitting for us to remember the suffering Of uh, our brothers and sisters in China. And to think about how that relates to our own lives here in this country as Christians in light of that suffering. Um, So we're going to talk about suffering um, and in particular suffering for righteousness sake. So would you please turn with me to 1 Peter chapter 4 beginning in verse 12. Beloved, do not be surprised at the fiery ordeal among you, which comes upon you for your testing, as though some strange thing were happening to you. But to the degree that you share the sufferings of Christ, keep on rejoicing, so that also at the revelation of his glory, you may rejoice with exultation. If you are reviled for the name of Christ, you are blessed, because the spirit of glory and of God rests on you. Make sure that none of you suffers as a murderer or thief or evildoer or a troublesome meddler. But if anyone suffers as a Christian, he is not to be ashamed, but is to glorify God in this name. For it is time for judgment to begin with the household of God. And if it begins with us first, what will be the outcome of those who do not obey the gospel of God? And if it is with difficulty that the righteous is saved— What will become of the godless man and the sinner? Therefore, those also who suffer according to the will of God shall entrust their souls to a faithful creator in doing what is right. This is the word of the Lord. Today, when we think of persecuted Christians, our minds automatically jump to faraway places like North Korea or China or maybe certain countries in the Middle East and Africa where to be a Christian is to risk either imprisonment or to risk your life. But really, the persecution of the righteous is something that has been going on from the beginning. We don't have to turn in the Bible very far to see that uh, Abel was killed by Cain for his righteousness. And ever since then, it hasn't stopped. It's in the Old Testament It's in the New Testament. It's in the early church. It's in all the history after that. And it continues today, and it happens everywhere. And the Bible tells us the reason for this suffering. It is because darkness hates light. Jesus says, this is the judgment, that the light has come into the world. The light is referring to Jesus. And men love the darkness rather than the light for their deeds were evil. For everyone who does evil hates the light and does not come to the light for fear that his deeds will be exposed. So men love the darkness rather than the light, and they hate the light because it exposes their evil. Now, I think most of us can understand this, because how many of you have ever been in a situation where Uh, you come across someone who is more righteous than you in a particular area. Maybe it's an area where you are struggling with, and you see a brother or sister who's doing well in that area. What is your reaction? Well, it's very tempting, and we often do this. We resent that. Um, I can remember that as a kid uh, going to Sunday school, there was always the the good, well-behaved kids that the teacher liked. And I hated those kids. Um, in fact, there were times when I would try to cause them to sin so that they would lose their spotless reputation. And the thing that made it um, the hardest was whenever they didn't give in. When, whenever they were steadfast, I just gnashed my teeth at that and hardened myself. Well, this is the reason why Christians are persecuted It's because men love the darkness and they hate God and therefore they hate Christians who represent God and bear God's light because when they come in contact with God and with Christians, their evil deeds are exposed. Jesus again says in John chapter 15, if the world hates you, you know that it has hated me before it hated you. If you were of the world, The world would love its own. But because you are not of the world, but I chose you out of the world, because of this, the world hates you. So every man and woman, and little boy and little girl who is a Christian has signed up, has enrolled, has enlisted himself to enter into a life of suffering from the very beginning. There is no separating the Christian life. And persecution. This is a promise from God. God promises that if we follow him we will endure persecution. Just listen to these passages of Scripture. Mark chapter ten, twenty-nine to thirty. Jesus said, Truly I say to you, there is no one who has left house or brothers or sisters or mother or father or children or farms for my sake, and for the gospel's sake, but that he will receive a hundred times as much now in the present age houses, and brothers and sisters, and mothers and children, and farms, along with persecutions, and in the age to come, eternal life. Matthew ten thirty four. do not think that I came to bring peace on the earth. I did not come to bring peace, but a sword. For I came to set a man against his father, and a daughter against her mother, and a daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law and a man's enemies will be the members of his household. John 15:20 A slave is not greater than his master. If they persecuted me, they will also persecute you. 2 Timothy 3:12 All who desire to live godly in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. So Christians should not be surprised at suffering. We should expect it. That's why our passage this morning begins with the exhortation to not be surprised at the fiery trial that is among us, as though some strange thing were happening to us. But what is our reaction whenever suffering or persecution comes? We are surprised, as if some strange thing were happening to us. We say to ourselves, This was not supposed to happen. This was not a part of my plans. I don't need this right now. And then we start to wonder if maybe we did something wrong to get this suffering. Or maybe there was something that we could have done to avoid the suffering. Or whether it was worth it at all to do whatever we did. That causes us to suffer now. And then we feel sorry for ourselves. And then we begin to despair and get angry with God. We think this persecution is fine for the Christians across the ocean. Yeah, amen. Persecution, yeah, and and Christianity go hand in hand for Christians in the Middle East and China but isn't the whole point of being a Christian in America so that we won't have to endure persecution and suffering? This is the normal response to suffering and persecution, but it is the wrong response. And that's why the Apostle Peter tells us two things, tells us and his original hearers. It wasn't easy for them either. He has to tell us two things about persecution to comfort, to comfort us, the first thing is, it comes upon us for our testing. The second thing is, through suffering, we become sharers or partakers with Christ. So, first of all, persecution and suffering come upon us for our testing. Beloved, do not be surprised at the fiery ordeal among you which comes upon you for your testing. What does this testing mean? God causes us to suffer persecution as a way to try our faith, to try it out. Another way of saying this would be, Do not be surprised at the fiery ordeal among you which comes upon you to see what your faith is made up of. To see what stuff your faith is made up of. Or do not be surprised at the fiery ordeal among you which comes upon you to give your faith a chance to be exercised and used a faith which never encounters suffering or persecution does not have the benefit of being stretched and beaten on and purified with fire it will always remain only theoretical and shallow because when we suffer for righteousness sake it forces us. It forces us to to make a decision whether we will choose the things of this world which we can see or place our hope in heavenly and eternal things which we cannot see. Sometimes God sends persecution our way because we will not let go of the things that we love the most. And God's way of sanctifying us and purifying us is forcing us to let them go. Whether it's the approval of our parents or the, the love of approval from men in general or success or money, sometimes God takes these things away from us by force because we wouldn't let them go otherwise. <clears throat> Only after we endure persecution and suffering can our faith be said to have any real value? Because then, and only then, will it have withstood the test. (laughs) The second thing the Apostle Peter teaches us about suffering is that it allows us to be partakers or sharers with Christ. But to the degree that you share the sufferings of Christ, keep on rejoicing so that also at the revelation of his glory, you may rejoice with exultation. When Christians suffer for righteousness' sake, when they are persecuted, God is giving them the privilege of having the same course of life that his son had. You know, uh, a lot of people today, it's, it's really popular to go to Israel, the Holy Land, right? Everybody wants to uh, walk on the shores of Galilee or be baptized in the Jordan River or visit the birthplace of Jesus or walk on the same path that Jesus took to the cross. And the purpose of this is because there is a connection, right? They, they feel a connection between, you know, if I, if I put my feet and my body where Jesus once was, then somehow I'm, I'm closer with him and I can have this uh, relationship with Jesus in a special way. It is kind of cool, right? We, we, we all wish we could, we could do those things. But the fact is you don't have to go to Israel to have fellowship and a connection with Jesus. If you have been mocked, if you have endured suffering, shame, humiliation, insults, rejection, for the name of Christ, then you already have fellowship with Jesus. God has already granted you the privilege of sharing that special fellowship with Jesus in a way that only suffering can do. You just you just watch people in the church and those who suffer, particularly suffer the same things, the same sorts of things, are are. Bound bond to each other in a way that only those sufferings can bind them together. Well, when a Christian suffers, we are tied together with Christ, and we get to be a, a sharer or partaker with him. If God brings us to suffer with Jesus, he will also bring us to share in his glory afterwards. And so we're told to keep on rejoicing. How backwards, how backwards and perverse would it be if we could share in the glories of Jesus, but skip out on the sufferings of Jesus? How nonsensical would it be to claim to follow Jesus but to go around the sufferings and straight to the glorification. Verse 14. If you are reviled for the name of Christ, you are blessed because the spirit of glory and of God rests on you. What does it mean to be reviled? The dictionary says, criticized in an abusive or angrily insulting manner. Imprisonment and beatings and Death are not the only real forms of persecution. Reviling is persecution in and of itself. There is real pain involved when we are reviled for Christ. And many of you have felt this. How many of you have experienced the scorn of a mother or father or wife or husband or child or any family member for being stupid enough to be a part of a cult. How many of you have had uh, DCS take your children away and revile you as child abusers because you were trying to honor God in the discipline of your children? How many of you have lost close childhood friends because you spoke what was true to them and called them to repentance from their sin. Close childhood Christian friends. How many of you have experienced the pain of caring for someone and then have that person turn away from God and turn away from the church and then turn around and say, you are the very reason that I was driven away from Christ. It's because of your bad witness it's because you're, you know, I I know that you love me, thanks, but the way that you love me is not the way that I need to be loved. And through you, I've only seen the bad side of Christianity, and so I reject God because of you. How many of you had something similar to that happen? How many of us have lost positions or jobs or opportunities because we refused to compromise and use gender-neutral language? Well, if this is you, then you are blessed. Why? Because in the middle of this shame and humiliation of suffering, the spirit of glory and of God rests on you. When we're suffering, the only thing that we can see and taste and smell is the pain of suffering and the embarrassment and indignity. But the invisible part Is that the spirit of glory in the midst of shame? Shame and glory are opposite things. In the midst of this shame, the spirit of glory rests on us. 15 and 16 make sure that none of you suffers as a murderer or thief or evildoer or a troublesome meddler. But if anyone suffers as a Christian, he is not to be ashamed, but is to glorify God in this name. In other words, Suffer, but make sure you're suffering for the right thing. Because there's a big difference between suffering for righteousness and suffering because you think you're righteous, but it's actually sin. If you get fired from your job because when you should have been working, you were having a debate with your coworker about evolution, or having a a Facebook argument with someone, or because you were doing your quiet time, reading your Bible during work hours, that's not suffering for righteousness. (laughs) That's suffering for being a bad worker. And it serves you right. Some of you are troublesome meddlers on the internet, especially some young men who think that to stand up for Christ is to post a meme. <laughs> or to get into a long Facebook argument, um, we just go through our friend list and we find the most antagonistic ones and we, we find their most heated post and we just, we jump right in to the fray. Fight. That's, um, you know, have a, th- theological argument somewhere. That is not suffering for righteousness. The only thing that does is, well, what happens afterwards, right? We feel like uh, heroes in our own little world and and we lick our wounds. Look how many people hate me. But all you've done is to run your mouth and sound smart or or not smart. Looks stupid and it's your own fault. The thing with meddlers is that meddlers take responsibility for everything except the very things they're supposed to take responsibility for. Don't be like that. Don't be like that. Instead, suffer for real, actual righteousness. And suffer in small, faithful ways. You know, instead of dealing with someone else's problems right now, get out of bed first. Don't take that one more sip of alcohol. Withhold yourself from saying that comment or that irreverent or dirty joke that you wanted to say. This is, take baby steps. And if you do, maybe God will give you more suffering that you will have to endure. But it begins small. Say the hard thing to your family member. Not the distant uncle or step-aunt online, but say the thing to your brother or sister or father or mother or wife or husband or daughter or son that might make them mad. Then God might call you to endure more persecution. 17 and 18 For it is time for judgment to begin with the household of God. And if it begins with us first, what will be the outcome of those who do not obey the gospel of God? And if it is with difficulty that the righteous is saved, what will become of the godless man and the sinner? What this is saying here is that God pays special attention to his children and is stricter on us than he is with anybody else, than any unbeliever or outsider. He puts them through trial after trial after trial, while unbelievers live in relative comfort and ease. It is true that unbelievers also experience pain, sometimes a lot of pain. But the pain that they don't experience is the pain of suffering and persecution for righteousness' sake. Um, There's a Chinese brother uh, who several years ago Right after he became a Christian, several, one after another, really big, hard things happened in his life. And as I was talking to him, he said, You know, sometimes I look around me at all the other Chinese students who are wealthy and who are driving their Lamborghinis and don't have a care in the world, and I think, Why did life get hard for me after I became a Christian? you know is this what is this what i get from god now i know i know god disciplines his children but sometimes i think thanks but no thanks we are all tempted to despise the suffering and discipline of the lord when we look at the ease of those around us but what we've got to remember here is that our suffering is only for a time and it leads us to glory, whereas their suffering will be eternal in the wrath of God. If it is with difficulty that the righteous are saved, well, what does that mean? What it doesn't mean is that uh, on judgment day, when you stand before God, he's going to have a hard time deciding, I saved you, but almost not quite, we're not sure about. It's not that sort of difficulty of being saved. The difficulty that it's talking about here is if God has to put you through trials and hardship and thorns and wind and rain, if God has to put you through all of that to lead you to heaven, what is going to happen to those people who are godless and live lives of ease? Now, uh, at this point, I want to address something that maybe a lot of you have been thinking for quite a while now. And that's whenever you get to a passage of scripture uh, talking about suffering, you say to yourself, well, come on, let's be honest. Do I really suffer? Does anyone here really suffer? Isn't it kind of an insult to believers who are risking their lives and dying and to apply this type of verse to myself, and to that, what I want to say is, yes, you're you're right, but you're only right a little bit. Um, the persecution that we face here, it's not as severe. Uh, the things that we worry about here are petty compared to the believers in China who have to think about whether or not they're going to be arrested. At their next Sunday service, they are small um, in that sense in comparison. But that does not mean that we don't have battles to fight here. And it does not mean that the battles that we fight are not real battles. The people who say, Oh, shut up, you don't suffer. Just take a look at the real suffering of Christians overseas, and you'll you'll stop whining are only partially right. The problem is that these people are the ones who refuse to see the real struggles that are happening here, let alone join in with those struggles. These are the people who are not engaged in battle. And so, of course, they say that there is no suffering and persecution here. But there is. So how should we respond to the suffering of of Christians in, in China and in other places with severe persecution? Three ways. The first way is that we should be encouraged. The second way is that we should be rebuked. And the third way is that we should be emboldened. First, we should be encouraged. If you are suffering, you should be encouraged because you know that your brothers and sisters are also enduring suffering of the same kind. You are not unique and alone in your suffering. So to those of you who have suffered and, or who are going through hardship, for righteousness sake, I would say to you, do not waste your suffering. Do not waste your suffering. This suffering is a gift from God. And so don't waste it on self-pity and don't waste it on anger at God. But think about the rejoicing and fellowship that you have with Christ and continue to bear your suffering with humility. Don't use your suffering as a way to uh, look down on the faith of other Christians either. Instead, give thanks that God has counted you worthy to suffer for him. God is your faithful creator and your pilot, and he will guide you home. So endure and hang in there. Second way we should respond to the suffering of believers overseas is that we should be rebuked. Maybe the reason that we aren't suffering is because we aren't willing to suffer. Maybe the the reason that we aren't getting persecuted is because we would never take a risk to do anything that would cause us persecution. And so we compromise and we speak and we live and we act like the rest of the world. The peace that God has given to us in this country to worship and the freedom, that is a gift from God. And I don't just say that. I really mean that the relative prosperity and peace that we have here is a gift from God and we should give thanks to him for it. But why has he given this to us? He has given us this peace so that we can further the gospel without hindrance from persecution. Not so that we can indulge our flesh and live lives of ease and comfort. So start by taking up little crosses for him and maybe he will give you the the honor of holding a a bigger cross one day. The third way we should respond to this persecution is that we should be emboldened. Seeing the suffering of other Christians gives us strength. Um, Think of the book of Philippians. In chapter 1, when the Apostle Paul says, Some brethren, because of my imprisonment, have boldness to preach the gospel with greater courage. It gives us strength because we see that it's not so crazy to suffer. If they did it, why can't I? It's really quite normal to suffer, and so I'm free to just be a normal Christian and suffer. Um, the uh, slideshow earlier with uh, Mark's church, uh, that pastor, as you know, has, has three kids. And I spoke with him recently to, to ask him if he had any words to say to our congregation here in America, particularly about persecution. He says that persecution is good because it, uh, it purifies and the particular struggle that he's going through right now is that his middle daughter, who is seven years old, uh, is, is at that age where they need to make decisions about where she's going to go to school. And um, they don't want to send her to government, state uh, education, and so they're pulling her out to homeschool as soon as Chinese New Year celebrations are over. Now, this is illegal, In China, you have to be in public school. Um, And once you pull out, there is no turning back. No school will accept you again after you leave. And so I asked them, well, you know that this is like long-term. What about college? What about high school? It's like, well, you know, the things that really matter the most are we want to strengthen the faith of our daughter, we want to build her character, and we want, to, we want her to learn a, a useful skill uh, one day that, that she can use to live, and, and that will be good enough. College or no, no college, eh, we can worry about that when the time comes. But for now, we want our, our child to be a Christian. And um, he was telling me how the public education system in China is getting worse and worse. They're not secretive about their propagandizing now. In fact, 86% of Chinese youth who go through the system through high school and go to college, 86 of them apostatize when they get to college. And um, I asked him what his friends thought about it, about pulling his daughter out of school. Some of them are four, but some of them think he's crazy and even some within the church. There were two others in his church who attended a Christian school. Well, the Christian school was discovered and disbanded, and now those kids have nowhere to go. And so there's four or five other uh, children his daughter's age. And, um, you know, I asked, well, are they going to pull out with you? And he says, no, we will, be, uh, we will be the first ones, but we have to be so that they will follow This is, this is the suffering of uh, your believers, your fellow brothers and sisters overseas. Now, do you feel more normal now? Right, this whole homeschooling thing is not just a United States thing. This is the struggle of your brothers and sisters in China. So be encouraged. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you that you have chosen us out of this world to be your possession. And we pray that you would help us to live like it. Help us to live according to our calling. Help us to not be ashamed or afraid to bear your cross and help us to do it in faithful ways so that one day when the time comes, we may endure larger crosses and see your glory afterwards. We pray in Jesus' name, amen.